Welcome back to the Desert Spring Blue. We're just jumping in. Wait, hold on. Welcome back to the Desert Springs Church Podcast. It exists to supplement the ministry and growth of the body here at Desert Springs Church. My name is Drew. I'm here with Chase and Ryan, and we're going to talk about the Lord's Supper today. Uh, recently, we made an announcement in a members meeting and through the DSC Weekly uh, that the elders had been considering for some time and had made a decision to change the way we talk about the Lord's Supper, specifically in terms of who the Lord's Supper is for and how we, and how we guard or insider language here for ministry people, fence the table for who should take and who shouldn't. So we wanted to uh, discuss some questions that we've been hearing from some of our people just to try to bring some more clarity. So we're going to talk about uh, the specific language and the specific changes and talk about Lord's Supper in general. So first, Ryan, why, why the change? Why would we adjust the way we guard, fence the table? Well, actually, I think we need to back up and just talk about membership if we're going to understand how the elders got to this point. Okay. If we think of membership as the church's affirmation of someone's assurance, um, we're in this assurance project together with them and they with us. Uh, if that's what membership is, then we also need to think of baptism as sort of the on-road to that, the entrance, the first, the first step of that. The problem that the elders were seeing is that we would sometimes have a teenager get baptized in our church, and because we didn't have a clear connection or on-road to membership from baptism, we would have people who would get baptized, not join our church, not join a church, and fast forward five to seven years, and they're out in the world and really not attached to a church. So we baptize them. But no one was currently saying, we're in on your assurance project. Yeah. And so that, that's a problem. Yeah. So we wanted to tie baptism, the on-ramp, and membership, the ongoing assurance project, together, actually like we see in the Bible. So yeah. Acts 2 is the perfect example. Peter preaches a sermon, uh, 3,000 believe, they were baptized, they were added to the church that day. So belief baptism and belonging kind of go together, and they go in that order, Okay, ideally. But we're, we're talking about Lord's Supper. You mentioned baptism and membership. Yes. What, what's, what's the connection? Well, you there? keep reading in Acts 2, yeah. and you get to Lord's Supper. So yeah. if baptism is the initiating rite or ceremony or whatever you want to call it, yep. sacrament or ordinance, uh, the Lord's Supper is the ongoing one. So that's like the assurance meal. That's saying we're in this together. Um and yeah, so that's... So one, one uh, logically leads to the other, and we see it most clearly in Acts 2, I think. You see that direct baptized, counted among, and then, and then even Lord's Supper is mentioned in, yeah. in context. Yeah, of, 242. Of yep. Yep. And even there's an Old Testament parallel to that that I, I found personally really helpful in thinking through the relationship of baptism to the Lord's Supper. That's Chase Jacobs talking to everybody. There's not a one-to-one... Uh, the, the, not a one-to-one -one parallel, but there are a lot of parallels between uh, the the rite of circumcision in ancient Israel and the act of baptism in the New Covenant right. community. So mm -hmm. circumcision is for uh, someone either that's born into the covenant community or joins the covenant community, a foreigner that yeah. joins covenant com community. Uh, baptism is for entry into the covenant community of the church, which is for 
rebirth, for spiritual birth. Yeah. Uh, but then the Lord's Supper is a clear parallel to Passover in the, the Old Covenant. So right. Jesus even institutes the Lord's Supper at a Passover meal as the sacrifice that the Passover was looking forward to. Well, if you read in, in places like Exodus, uh, I believe Exodus 16, it says that foreigners are welcome to participate in the Passover if they want to be a part of the covenant community. But Moses, well, God stresses to Moses, they have to be circumcised first, that they can't take the Passover meal until they are circumcised. So initiating the, right. The yeah. initiating right. So again, yeah, even... Because of what the meal represents and who it's for. Exactly. That that you, there there is a... a demarcation, you were out yep. and now you're in, and in the New Covenant, baptism really powerfully symbolizes that. So you were you were out, and then you die with Christ, you come up out of the water, and now you're in, and then once you're in, it's kind of like baptism is the front door, and then the Lord's Supper is the dinner table, that you are in the house, and then you eat regularly mm-hmm. with, with the family, but the one comes before the other. And membership, uh, the way we, we talk about membership here is... Um, is basically assumed in the New Testament in connection to baptism. Baptism and membership into the local church are almost synonymous. Yeah, when you, you see, you just don't have a category for baptized non-church members. Right, yeah. Right. You, but you won't find the language of membership maybe the way that we talk about it, although in Acts 2 it says they were added to the church. Like yeah, somebody right. was counting. Somebody yeah. wrote they, the names down. They knew who, who was in. But yeah, and I think that's... The, that there are his, some historical, some more like recent historical realities that might be helpful to consider is the church historically understood baptism and membership as being very connected with each other. And I feel like it's only in recent history that baptism and membership have been so separated. Yeah. I was even thinking, uh, you know, the we watched the Jesus Revolution. I was thinking of that very thing. And that for them, the way that they were talking about it, and this was, I mean, that was a real historical movement, kind of. The Calvary Chapel movement. The Calvary Mm -hmm. Chapel, the Jesus People movement. That was a big, very influential revival in the United States with, you know, a lot of good things coming out of it. But that view of baptism as a personal... More individualistic. Individualistic moment with me that is divorced from any accountability to the church, local church yeah. is uh, th- that really persisted and came to dominate, I feel like, evangelical culture just in the last 50 years or so. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of an a uh, unhistorical view of baptism that we are pushing back against in some yeah. ways. Yeah. yeah. So again, we're doing a podcast on the Lord's Supper. Why, why do we keep talking about baptism? <laughs> well, I think uh, hopefully people are hearing that it's, it's, it, it is connected. There's a logical progression that we see, and baptism precedes membership, which precedes Lord's Supper. And, so, and let's just tie it to the language, so right? The so language. we're talking about the language, the new fencing language. That yeah, so talk have. us through the change, Ryan. How, how did we used to say it, and what are, we, what are we saying now? Yeah, so anyone who's been to our church for a long time would know that whoever's leading in the Lord's Supper, whatever pastor that is, would get up and say something like, if you're baptized, sorry, if you're a <laughs> believer um, in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're saved, uh, forgiven of your sins... Uh, then we invite you to partake of this. And if you're not, then we would just ask you to, to not. Um, you'd, you'd pass on this, and we'd explain why. So the fencing line was just believer, not believer. Yep. Right. You, if Christian, you believe this gospel, this is for you. Yep. Yeah. And, and then we thought, in light of Acts 2, in light of the fact that um, sometimes we have people who um, are okay with um, not yet being baptized, but partaking of the Lord's Supper, um, just to, to make more clear the, the natural progression, the, 
the typical progression that we find in Acts 2. Yeah. Um, we thought we would just say, um, Make baptized believer. And, and really, that's a position that in Baptistic churches that go back to the 17th century, um, that that's kind of the majority view, not what we had been doing, but what we're currently doing. Okay. And so, not just, we're not just saying baptized believer, but baptized believer that is part of we a had church yeah. that yeah. believes the same gospel. Yeah. And, we and we say part of to, that's our code for membership. That's how we understand someone at, who is part of a, a local church. Is, yeah. At is, Desert Springs. At Desert Springs right. Church, we would say that's for, that's for members of Desert Springs Church, or if you're, or if you're part of uh, an, another gospel preaching church like-minded uh, with us. That's kind of our sh- our shorthand for that. Because yeah. not every church is going to have a formal membership process the way that we do, right. but every church should have some sense of accountability and belonging. That's, that... that's the thing. Yeah, being part of means that you are accountable to that local body, to the leaders there, to the members there uh, in some formal, overt Connected way. Connected with, yeah, they know you, you know them. Yes, mm-hmm. because to me, the, the the language is important because we're talking about communion um, and connection to membership. Uh, so membership uh, can can lead to ex-membership mm-hmm. or ex-communicating uh, a member from the body through church discipline. The final stage of church discipline is excommunication is, is the way we talk about it, and that implies communing. Right excommuning someone like, from the table. Yeah, at our church, if we do remove someone from membership, mm-hmm. we, you know, of course we are still trying to love them and appeal to them with the gospel, but that's a big indicator is you are no longer welcome to come to the Lord's Supper with us because yeah. we have all, we we were giving you assurance of yeah, your no standing longer. and we are no longer giving that assurance. We can't say with confidence yeah. that you're a believer and part of communicating that is this meal. Yeah. So that's just one more way of drawing that line. That the, And we said this in the communication about it, that the Lord's Supper is communicating things. It's proclaiming yes. things. It's proclaiming something to you that you are remembering and believing the gospel as you eat it, but it is proclaiming things to the other people to your left and your right and to the whole world. Mm-hmm. And so this language is, is just trying to make sure that we don't mess up the communication, that yeah. we're not saying something other than what it's meant to be proclaiming. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah, it's the assurance meal as we as we pass the plate around. Michael Lawrence talks about this in his conversion book. Mm. It's a it's a we're passing assurance around to one another, and that's a big reason why we take it together as a church. Mm. And the Lord's Supper is not for individual Christians. It's not for non church gatherings. It is for the church gather because we're supposed to look around the room and see each other and pass that assurance right. as we proclaim that this is true and this is true for me and I believe it's true for you. Mm. So again to connect it back to membership, if if somebody has been uh, excommunicated from church membership through church discipline, meaning they're we can no longer affirm their profession of faith. We they're not we're not a part of their affirmation project anymore because they're living in open and unrepentant sin. Um, then we can't pass that plate of assurance at mm-hmm. the Lord's right. Supper. They they can't we can't have that. That would mess up the picture right. of what the what the meal is representing. It, Just like we wouldn't have we wouldn't baptize somebody who doesn't profess a union with the church and with Christ's mm-hmm. death and resurrection. Right. That would mess up the picture. Right. Yeah. And what we're assuming here in not saying is the process of church discipline. Right. So where someone had been identified as a Christian a baptized, a member of our church, partaking the Lord's Supper regularly, and then starts living in sin, we don't slap the elements out of their hand. 
there's a process the Lord gave us in Matthew 18, right? right? So we go to our brother, we take two or three witnesses, if mm-hmm. necessary, we tell it to the church. Yeah. Uh, if they won't listen to the church, we treat them as a tax collector and a Gentile, which yeah. means a, cri- a non-Christian. non-Christian. Um, so that's the process. So, yeah. so no one should hear this and think, wait a minute. At some point, the elders might decide I'm not a Christian. They're going to slap the bread out of my no. hand on a yeah. on a Wednesday night. Right. No, no, just like we don't we don't as elders individually or even as an elder board unilaterally decide who are Christians and 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 affirm them into membership. We have the the members vote right. to affirm. Mm-hmm. They would have to vote to remove as well. So the yeah. the members hold the keys to turn yes. in the positive and the negative sense. So yeah, the, this shouldn't encourage you to just be looking around the room and then judging whether you think everybody around the room is a Christian. The 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 church discipline process is the process that Jesus gave us to determine that um, only if and when the entire church had to turn the keys mm-hmm. to loose right. to loose someone um, would then we would then say that they're not welcome to the table. Yeah, and that's right. So, so to tie, you know, discipline process to the Lord's Supper explicitly, someone would go through that process. Uh, we would treat them as a non-Christian, and we lovingly turn them out into the world as a candidate for evangelism, right? right? We're not against mm-hmm. them. We're not mm-hmm. shunning them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would even be welcome to come on a Sunday morning, yeah. but we would actually have to say to that person if they were partaking um, of the Lord's Supper on an ongoing basis, yeah, we don't uh, think friend, you should. This isn't for you. Yep. You know this. You, yeah, you should they, know this. They got they got removed to outside the fence. So as we we're fencing yeah. the table, they were once inside as we were affirming their profession. And then through the process of, of church discipline and excommunication, they are excommuned from the table and removed to the outside of the fence. And there is a gate in the fence. There, everybody is welcome to come inside of the fence, but you only come one way, and that is through faith in Jesus Christ, right. through repentance. And we believe the best way for us to practice that here and now as humans and in, in the fallen world is through uh, church membership, mm-hmm. which connects, again, to baptism. So right. being baptized and being a church member. And, and so this isn't just an individual's uh, conscience and decision to say, oh, I think I believe that. They're not two separate events, uh, which again, historically in in the last 50 years has been unfortunately how the church has talked about this, that baptism is one individual event and joining the church is a separate event. Right. And what we're just saying and what we have been structuring more in our church is, no, those are, that's really just one thing. It's just like when you walk down the aisle and say, I do, that there's a lot that's bundled up together in that mm-hmm. ceremony, mm-hmm. and baptism is is the same way. So the other changes that we've made uh, recently are we don't have a baptism class that's separate from our membership class. Yeah. We just have our membership class that addresses baptism right. because people that want to be baptized, we're saying, well, then you're saying you also want mm-hmm. to become a member. Yeah, right. So we just put it all together, yeah. and that's every baptismal candidate that we've had for the last year, we've just had through the membership class. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've even, I love this change that we've made, that we have put the baptism Sundays on the Sunday immediately preceding a members meeting, yes. so mm-hmm. that there is, there's only four days that this person is a baptized believer that's not a member of our church, that, that we vote on them into our church that next Wednesday, mm-hmm. and we say that in the members' meeting. Hey, you just saw this brother or yeah. sister baptized you on Sunday. Testimony. They are they are a believer. Public profession. They have united. They, they have professed their union with Christ through baptism. Now let's vote them into the church. And then the next Sunday we have the Lord's Supper. So it's just putting all of those things together. I think in that Acts two. It's way. the churchiest yeah. week 
uh, that we could possibly yeah, have. The churchiest week it. of the quarter. It's and so I love sweet. It. All right. So, uh, so yeah, we've discussed some broader things. I'm sure there's some questions that have popped up in people's head even as they're listening. Um, so let's talk about uh, who we were trying to help with this language. We've touched on this a little bit and who, who we were trying to give some clarity to, give some support to in discerning whether they or their family members should be participating in the Lord's Supper. Well, for one thing, we were trying to help parents who are not sure um, how to talk about assurance with their kids, who um, have made a profession of faith, who say that they believe the gospel, and and we we don't doubt that. What we want to do is um, encourage our kids toward the gospel Mm -hmm. uh, while we also wait to see fruit. So in our family, as we talked about this, we've got four kids now that are out of the house and have all professed Christ and... They're good members at a church in in Kentucky or in Autumn's case here. back here. Yep. But um, we talked in certain years. We, we talked a lot about the the parable of the soils and how the seed goes into the ground, and we don't we don't see it start to germinate under the ground. We wait a little bit to see what comes up from the ground, and and then we kind of wait to see whether this is the real deal that's that's lasting. Um, so we talked in terms of the. It, getting to a certain point in your teenage years where there's going to be this fork in the road. Are you going to choose Jesus or friends that are pressuring you to not choose Jesus? And when it gets to that kind of thing, because everything before that has been so pro-Jesus, mm-hmm. um, their home, their church, yeah. probably even their school, it's been so pro-Jesus that um, we kind of waited for a time where there would be sort of a fork in the road, yeah. and they would choose on their own to to. Do the hard thing to go the, the path alone without the the friends who were um, not for Jesus, and uh, and to choose Jesus, and then that would be a, a good sign of a fruit of seed that's coming up out of the ground and bearing fruit. Right. Um, and yeah. so yeah. that that's when we talked about baptism. Uh, so in our church, that happens to be. Uh, the age of 16, because yeah. we want to tie it to membership. Yeah. We haven't talked about that explicitly yet. Yeah, the age. Yeah. So the reason for 16, is, it probably sounds arbitrary to so many people, yeah. and it is in mm-hmm. some ways. We it's had not in the Bible. We had to pick yeah. a, an age. Yep. Um, but the certain dynamics that go on behind the scenes, as elders talk about this kind of stuff, is um, how do we come up with a, an age that... Um, allows for genuine membership, right? So we don't want baptism without membership. So how do we have genuine membership? And if it's genuine membership, that means also uh, voting on church discipline issues yep, that members, are very members sensitive. In, members out. And it also means being a possible future candidate of church discipline. So here's what we wouldn't want to do. We wouldn't want to have 10-year-olds who have made a profession of faith, are members of our church, and they're having a really bad, rebellious year, and the church is voting them out because they're not acting like believers. While so, they're still in the home, very much yeah. under the authority and discipline of yeah. their parents. Could you imagine if parents didn't agree with elders on whether their children should be It gets confusing. It gets, it gets very it gets, confusing. It blurs lines of authority, yeah. Well, yeah. and then there's that degree of independence that you're talking about that, I, I mean, if you're a good Christian parent, I think it would it would be right for your kids to love Jesus to or to at least feel that affection for Jesus and you are keeping them 
from exercising their independence. So like when they're when they're eight, your kids should not have the freedom to choose a lot of sin. Like you should be keeping that sin from from them. Yeah. But it's when they grow in their independence and their autonomy as we are trying to parent them to be adults mm-hmm. that make their own decisions. Yeah. Well, 16, they have a lot of freedom. They could most of them even have a car. And so then they can you, drive themselves to members meetings. That, that's right. They can <laughs> they can make their own choices to uh, to really prove I'm not doing this because mom and dad are mm-hmm. I'm under their authority and they're mm-hmm. making me do this. I'm doing this because I am choosing this myself and I have that freedom to choose something else. And, and so, you know, I, I think it is 16. It is, it's, it, we had to pick a number somewhere, you know, there's it's not about a the youngest we could go. It is. Yeah. And it, still think that that's a very adult kind of decision that you're making. And yes. even our, there's, there's almost a natural law argument to make for this, that we don't let 13 year olds drive cars. You know, yeah. we don't let 12-year-olds enlist in the military, yeah. that there is some level of development that our culture just recognizes. Yeah. There, your brain is not fully there, and that doesn't mean that you can't yeah. believe in Jesus. That doesn't mean right. that you can't exercise those things, but but it's just right to look and say, mm-hmm. yeah, but it's hard yeah. to tell yet, and it would be wiser to just hold off and wait. Yeah, you know? we, we are not saying that, that children under the age of 16 cannot be believer, genuinely converted. Or that parents, uh, you know, somebody helpfully asked this question, we're not saying that parents or our Sunday school teachers that we shouldn't be evangelizing preschoolers. We should. You should share the gospel with your kids and and appeal to your kids to believe. Mm. And then when they say that they believe, then you say, that's great. Let's keep on believing. Let's keep on growing. Uh, That parable of the soils is a really good example because there is is the stuff that springs up really quickly, but it doesn't have that root. Mm. And what we're just saying as parents is we really want to grow that root down deep. And it's okay for us to take that time to really, you know, in this safe greenhouse environment of our family, grow you up before yeah. we're moving into that, you know, we're, we're transplanting you into the authority of the whole church. What do you say to a parent that, that would hear that and say, oh, aren't we withholding something really, really good mm. from our kids by withholding baptism, by withholding the Lord's Supper? Um, why, why, why do we have to withhold that from them if we think they're genuinely saved? Yeah, it's because um, it's possible to give them something that's also potentially good, and harmful to them, mm-hmm. yep. meaning if we give them assurance before it's time, then um, that could stick with them for many years. They could think it's peace, peace, when there is no peace. Mm-hmm. They could think that their souls are right with Jesus because they prayed a prayer one night when they were little or got baptized at a young age, um, or even in some churches that you know they have church membership back home several states away. Um, we want to avoid that. I, I'm actually one person who went through that kind of stuff. I, I was I was told I was saved because I said a prayer and was baptized, and and when I doubted my salvation, and I think rightly so as I look back on it now, uh, I would go forward again, and a deacon would show me the date in my Bible where I was baptized. Yeah, and he was pointing me to my baptism, which I shouldn't be trusting in that. Mm. Right? We should be trusting in Jesus. Right. And. and I, I don't think even then I could have articulated the gospel very well, but he wasn't asking me to articulate the gospel again. He wasn't saying, well, tell me what you believe, which would have been really helpful for me mm-hmm. to you know, stammer through that and not really have a good answer. Um, mm-hmm. Instead, I was trusting in saying a prayer. I was trusting in the fact that I was baptized then, but I just I knew that I wasn't bearing fruit. I knew that uh, in my public school, I acted just like my unsafe friends. I just happened to go to church and be in the choir every Sunday. 
And so finally, the Lord at the age of 17 brought me to the end of myself. And, and I thought the Lord would just have to save me some special way. Like I, I kept saying the prayer, Lord, and it doesn't seem to be clicking. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem to change my heart. And I remember crying out and saying, God, you're just going to have to save me. Jesus, you're just mm-hmm. going to have to forgive me. Hmm. And that was probably a much better sinner's prayer than yeah. any of the Lord have mercy thousand on ones I've said before yeah. that. So, And I think there is a maybe a misapplication of this phrase, once saved, always saved, mm-hmm. that, that we need to be careful about. That I have heard people say that, well, so-and-so, my, my wayward adult son... They, they believed, they said that they believed when they were nine and they got baptized and once saved, always saved, right? Well, that that what you're saying is you're confident that they were saved because they did something when they were nine, where we would say that that's true, that idea of a, a true Christian persists do, in their faith until away. they don't yeah. fall away. But how do you know that that's true, that they continue to persevere in the faith, that there's yeah. not there's not a period of falling away. So if yeah. someone was baptized, if someone did profess when they were young, but but there is n- absolutely no evidence of yeah. faith, saving faith yeah. in their life, no desire to be with God or His people, uh, a love for sin more than a love for their Savior, yeah. then we say, well, whatever that was, that was a false profession. And those, yeah. those false professions and those false assurances, Ryan, like you're saying, they can be so detrimental to young people growing up. I did college ministry for a long time, and, and maybe half of my ministry was just helping kids sort through their false assurance of mm-hmm. salvation that they got from a well-meaning church and maybe even well-meaning parents, but, but that it really confused for them what it meant, what it looked like to be a, a faithful follower of Jesus in their own individual walk with the Lord because yeah. things were pronounced on them when they were nine mm-hmm. or seven or four that were not helpful. Yeah. So I I really do sympathize with a parent's desire to affirm their children's profession of faith Amen. because w- we all want nothing more than our children to love and follow the Lord. Um, so I want to just <clears throat> put that out there and we are Empathetic to that, sympathetic because we are as parents, and we want to we want to affirm that. Um, but, we, but can I speak to that yes. too? That that's right. That as parents, we want to <clears throat> affirm our child's profession of faith. But it, whose job is it to affirm someone's <clears throat> profession of faith? Ultimately, right. it's not the parents. And I think that's another aspect yeah. in this that you know, praise God that you think your child believes and that they're mm-hmm. showing signs of fruit. That's great. That's not how they enter into the church. They enter mm-hmm. the, into the church with the whole church exercising yep. the keys of the kingdom. So it is the church who votes on that profession of faith. Mm-hmm. That's not the parents. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. just one more level. Until the whole mm-hmm. church can even have a sense of the, the walk with the Lord that this individual has, we yeah. can't just take a parent's word for it. Pastors yeah. are not just going to yep. say, no, 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 trust me. Yeah, Johnny believes, really baptize him, yeah. bring him into the church yeah. now. Well, praise God yeah. for that. But that's No, we have a process for that. Yeah, we That's don't... why we do membership the way we do. Mm-hmm. They would need to go through the membership class. Right. They would need to interview with an elder. With an, apart and then from they their would parents. need to be affirmed by the entire church. Mm-hmm. That, that takes so much pressure off of me as a parent oh, to okay. think, oh, I need to be the one that affirms, that mm-hmm. sees and affirms it. Are we a part of that process? Absolutely. We should be an intricate part and 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 training up and affirming, but we are not the only and sole unilateral voice in deciding that. Um, another thing I'm thinking about in terms of, of <clears throat> trying to answer a parent who's concerned about withholding such a good thing, baptism, Lord's Supper from their child, we withhold good things from our kids all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we mentioned driving. We don't give the keys to the car 
to a kid, which is a, a good thing. We, we don't give the keys of the kingdom mm-hmm. to a young kid if you're not going to give the keys of the car to, to a kid. So that's kind of one way I've, I've thought about it. Marriage and sex are other good Wonderful things. I mean, things. And, and God even says having children be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. You know, that, that's a command. Well, you're not, you're not sinning every day that you're not being fruitful and multiplying. As soon as your kid is able to have children, yeah, are we the, withholding that from them? And again, we would say if, if you're, gosh, even if your 16-year-old says, no, 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 I love this woman. And we want to be married and have children and spend the rest of our lives I want together. to be fruitful and multiply. You're withholding that from well, me. Well, then you would say, you know, yeah, it's still wiser for you to wait. This mm-hmm. is a good thing. It's right that you want that. But there is wisdom involved in making mm-hmm. that decision mm-hmm. that we think it's better for you to just wait. Yeah, yeah. In yeah. in our culture today, we see all kinds of confusion about uh, child autonomy and letting kids make huge, huge decisions for themselves. And we as Christians are looking at some of those things and saying, well, that's insane. We mm-hmm. would never let a child make a huge decision uh, like that. Um, but then when it comes to baptism mm-hmm. and church membership and affirming someone's salvation, mm-hmm. eternal state of their soul, we're like, oh no, my six-year-old is good. He's yeah. in. Yeah. Um, again, not to say that a six-year-old can't believe. They absolutely can. Right. But we should, be, we should be really cautious. We should want to have time and let that fruit grow and be evident and let uh, the church see it and affirm it and 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 again, going back to the book of Acts and the, the New Testament, we just see a pattern of it being adults who are who are baptized and added to the church. Um, we just don't have a clear example of a young person yeah, being baptized and added to the church. Let's anticipate a related objection where someone says, wait a minute, are you saying uh, a childhood conversion and assurance process is different than an adult? And, and I would answer that by saying yes, in part. Because adults, remember that fork in the road, that testing that I talked mm-hmm. about, the world or Jesus, um, adults already have that. They they inherently have that when they choose to uh, embrace Jesus, they are leaving behind something. It yep. could be leaving behind atheism, it could be leaving behind Buddhism, it could be leaving behind um, something else, Mormonism. A sinful lifestyle and sinful addiction. Life, and, yeah. and, and, you know, another right. identity. So yeah. so that that's inherent in adult um, conversion and childhood conversion just isn't like that. And so, if we had, you know, an explicit model in the New Testament where here's how you handle childhood conversion, baptism, membership, and Lord's Supper, and it was really explicit. I know our our pedo Baptist friends, our infant baptizing friends, would say household baptisms are what you're talking about. And we would say no, those households. Um, were baptized upon belief. It does say they, believed. The they, whole house believed. They believed and were baptized. And were baptized. Yeah. yeah. So that aside, we don't have an example of childhood conversion, membership, or baptism, membership, and Lord's Supper. And so we need to sort of exercise wisdom as we're trying to do here. Jesus was 30 when he got baptized. <laughs> good, good answer. Always right. Well, if we can just talk about church history, I mean... Um, Chase has already mentioned sort of the pattern of individualistic kind of baptisms, um, but the age of baptisms, you trace this through church history, um, 18 years old, 16 years old, 16 would have been very young for um, for a, a child to be baptized um, in, say, the 1800s, or Charles Spurgeon, I mean, he was an evangelist. Um, yep. His kids were baptized at 16, 17, 18, yep. 19. 
Yeah. Those kind of ages. Yeah. I think it was until 100 years ago, the average age was like 19 yeah. of, of people baptized into, yeah, Baptist. Super Protestant young church. baptisms have only happened since um, Charles Finney yeah, in the, the Second, second great, great Awakening, awakening. Yeah. which wasn't very healthy. There was a real emphasis on success in numbers, and and hence yep. uh, the children were baptized as part of that. Yep. Very and good. it's worth saying, too... Is back to that question of hindering, are we, are we keeping something good from our children? Um, baptism and the Lord's Supper are not salvific, that right. we are not holding back salvation right. from children, uh, that, that there is a wonderful um, sanctifying means of grace that comes through baptism and the Lord's Supper, that they're good for our uh, encouragement in the faith mm-hmm. and our meditation on the gospel, but they do not confer salvation. Right. So, so they you know, not cont- contain little bits yeah, of salvation. Exactly. Yep. So, so you, you know, the thief on the cross was not baptized and had never taken the Lord's Supper. And Jesus mm-hmm. says, today you will be with me in paradise right. because mm-hmm. he believed. Yep. So you have a young child that believes, God forbid, they don't make it to the age of 16. They were never baptized. They never took the Lord's Supper. Well, they are not lacking in, yep. in anything necessary for their salvation. So we're not holding out. We're, we're not Roman Catholic about this, that we are not... We're not withholding them. salvation. Saving grace. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. This yeah. Is, it is a special means of grace. It is mm-hmm. good. They, it's right that they desire it. And to that too, you know, and we have a young child that professes faith in Christ and we're having this conversation yep. and she's even, she's asking those questions. She's saying, okay, well, they believed and we're baptized. So mm-hmm. um, that's right. Parents, don't discourage your kids with our church's position on baptism and membership. Mm. Don't don't make your kid feel like, well, yeah, you really should, and the church is not keeping you here, and so you're missing. Like, there's a way that you can talk about yeah. this and, and even submitting to this if, if you don't agree that there's even wisdom in submitting to the mm-hmm. elders and the church that you belong to. But to talk about that in a way that frustrates your children or makes your children mm. feel... Um, like uh, they're missing out. Like there's angst in their yeah. heart because they're not... That's that's just not helpful. You don't need to, to do that either. You can encourage them to continue in the faith and not frustrate them with what they're not able to mm-hmm. do yet. Yeah. No, just keep Amen. encouraging that. Keep encouraging uh, faith. Yeah. You believe, keep believing. That's great. Yeah. We believe. Yeah. We believe in this, this house and we will continue to... Uh, teach and train and lead toward belief, and uh, and by God's grace and for His glory someday, I pray that my kids will carry that belief into uh, adulthood and be affirmed by a local church. Yeah, and I uh, think it even helps our daughter to have that that mile marker that she's looking forward to. That oh, okay, there this will happen, and mm-hmm. and so I am until I'm 16, I know what I'm doing, and I'm I'm trying to grow in, and yeah. but I'm looking down the road at that, and that's okay. I can wait for that. But I, I think it helps yeah. her to even have that in her mind that this will happen later, and until then, I'm... Yeah. yeah. So if a parent, if a parent's having a, a young kid, uh, one, of their, one of their children asks, I want to be baptized. Yeah, what, what, what's kind of the first things you guys are saying to that parent to, to say to their child? We say that's a, a good uh, thing that you're talking about and desiring, and the timing um, isn't just yet. Um, so that's when you bring them back to the parable of the four soils. That's when you talk about yeah. seed that's in the ground yep. and how you wait and watch. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see. We'll see. And, yeah. and, and, and what we would always do is, um, rather than say they weren't saved, which yeah. isn't helpful, I don't yeah. think, no. we w- but we also wouldn't say you are saved. Right. We would say, what is a Christian? 
Yeah. And they would say, my kids had this memorized. Those who trust in Jesus' blood and righteousness alone. It kind of has a syncopation to it. Yeah. Um, Those who trust in Jesus' blood and righteousness alone. Then I would say, do you believe that? And they'd say, yeah. And I say, keep on believing Mm -hmm. it. Keep repenting of your sins. Don't stop believing. Keep seeing your need for Jesus. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. um, And keep pursuing him. Yeah, and, and, and the, baptism is for membership, yeah. and at Desert Springs Church, membership is for sixteen and up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so wait, keep believing. If you you can't you can't baptize a kid too late. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've said this to parents before. You can baptize too early. Mm-hmm. So so we'll keep we'll keep watching. We'll keep waiting. If they're converted when they're ten, they'll be converted when they're sixteen. Right. And and when they're ten, their job is to honor and obey the the authorities that they've been given in their life, first their parents, and also the church. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is their job. That is what following Jesus and obedience in that season for them looks like. Obey your parents mm-hmm. and wait, and obey your church and wait. And that same way that Ryan was talking about that to a, a child, do you? what do you believe? What does a Christian believe? Great, keep on believing that. Well, that's actually what membership is too. That is what we are saying <laughs> we to each other. every Sunday. What does a Christian believe? What is this Lord's Supper communicating about what you believe? Now keep on believing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use that same language with, with adults. Like, continue to believe this. Don't fall away from this. Keep growing. That there's always, even for a 70-year-old, there's always that potential that they could fall away, yeah. and so we are. That's that's part of proving the, that they were never proving. Yeah, the proving that they were not really saved in the first place. And I think that is part of the means of the church of helping the saints persevere. Yes. That we are a a uh, pers- perseverance of the saints co op together. Yes. That we are helping each other continue all the way to and the also end. protect the gospel and what what it what it means to yeah. believe the gospel. That there is a difference. But for those that truly believe it and live in light of it, um, so if we just you know, if we just didn't care and let anybody take the Lord's Supper, it's basically saying we don't care yeah. about the gospel and, and Paul what the gospel say means for us. In First Corinthians, that that people are actually eating and drinking judgment on themselves by yeah. taking yeah. it in the wrong way, and so that's another reason that we wanted that fencing language. Is I mean, Paul told us that if someone takes the Lord's Supper without really believing it. That people die from that, it's that there are serious. like consequences for that. And so, gosh, we have to be, I mean, that's not something to be taken lightly. No. We shouldn't no. just say like, yeah, you know what, you figure it out. That is right. not caring well no. for the flock. Can we speak to a parent who their child has been taking the Lord's Supper was for ask. some time and they haven't been baptized and maybe even they were holding off on baptism to see... Mm-hmm. But they what? they hadn't thought through this maybe as carefully as they should have before. That's okay. Haven't seen the connection. We're trying to yeah. help them through that. Yeah. What do they uh, do now? What do they do now? Well, I think it's okay to to talk to, you know, your your little guy Sam or whoever it is, and to say, um, hey, I think we got ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Mm-hmm. So we're growing in our understanding of this, and we're going to change things a little bit. We're going to dial this back. Yeah. We're, we're going to not have you yeah. um, take mm. the Lord's Supper, yeah. and here's why. Baptism should usually come first. That's the picture. Show them Acts 2. Show them that that's the, the, the norm. Yep. Um, and then say, we're, as we're holding off on baptism, we're also going to hold off on the Lord's Supper. This one's kind of the first thing. Mm-hmm. This one's the ongoing thing. Yeah. Uh, we kind of got a little bit ahead over, um, out over our skis on this. And, well, they wouldn't understand an yeah, illustration, yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Well, yeah. And that would be... Got the cart in front of the horse. You could think of as a parent how that would be humbling 
Yeah. To have to sit with your kids and say, hey, you know what? We didn't quite understand this. We were, but oh my goodness, think about what that would communicate to your, to your children, that you are a growing disciple in Jesus and, and that we're all going to be wrong and we all need to yeah. apologize or and repent grow. or grow. Right. Hopefully that's not too unusual for our <laughs> yeah. parents here. We right? recalibrate right. all the time. Yeah. Right. Guys, kids. I'm sorry. Hey, we've been we, neglecting discipline. We've been doing right. this wrong. Right. Yeah. We, we weren't spanking for this. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, going to now. Exactly. We're sorry that we've neglected this yeah. and now we're going to um, change some things around here. That, that sets such a powerful culture in your home to have parents that are just as dependent on Christ's grace, that are just as daily walking in repentance. And so to sit down with your kids and to apologize, even for something like this, for a doctrine or a practice, um, you don't know that... I would imagine that a lot of kids would look back when they're when they're adults, they would look back and say, you know what, that was a really meaningful moment to see my parents be so humble that mm-hmm. they would walk us through that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's humbling. Uh, it'd be a, a good way to display that to your kids. So, some parents, I think, m- maybe uh, don't necessarily need to apologize. Maybe they weren't. Maybe they weren't, in, you know, intentionally doing something wrong. Right? Sure. They just weren't thinking about it as mm-hmm. as, as carefully. And just haven't been taught. So they 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 heard our old fencing language. Yeah. And thought, my kid believes. Totally. That's yeah. for him. Yeah. That's for them. Yeah. So so to the defense of some of these parents, sure. if I may, um, yeah, they, they are just they were just operating under the old way that we yep. fence the table. Yeah. So you might just need to say, Okay, guys, um, we're 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 growing in our understanding and we're gonna we're gonna submit to the elders here. And that's that's humility, that's godliness to submit to the fact that the elders took time. A long time to discuss this, debate this, come up with the exact language that we felt comfortable, we felt would be the most biblical, mm-hmm. honoring the Lord, and helpful to our congregation. So we're gonna we're gonna honor that, yeah. and we're gonna we're gonna adjust our practice now uh, because of that. But and, and as parents, yeah, it shouldn't be new to adjust things, make mm-hmm. make it make tweaks. So yeah, again, you're not withholding something. From them that that now is going to be detrimental mm-hmm. to their salvation or their their spiritual health. Uh, this could actually, I think, will be ultimately for their spiritual good. To uh, to go back another another category. What if my child was baptized at another church and mm-hmm. is thirteen years old? So a thirteen year old at our church can't come into membership because they're thirteen at Desert Springs, but they were baptized at another church. Uh, what should they do? Should they take the Lord's Supper? Right. Because they they've at least been baptized as a believer, then then they they come into our church and we say, okay, if you're a baptized believer, check. Yep. Part of mm-hmm. a local church. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> so when people have asked me questions about this, I I have said we were very careful in how we crafted this language to leave room for the conscience that we are not we're not trying to be more prescriptive than the Bible is, that we're trying to leave space there. Uh, and then it is just a matter of wisdom mm-hmm. and calibrating that conscience the right way. So personally, I would say your 13-year-old baptized child uh, is is not yet able to be part of our local church. And so I would say, yeah, I I would wait and yeah. tell, tell them to wait until they can become a member, and then that Lord's Supper is communicating that membership. But if we really had that conversation and talked about it, and that was uh, a, a violation of your conscience, then I personally I wouldn't be, you know, standing there barring your child from yeah, walking. That's, into that's that. we have tricky. been purposely vague on that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the point. Is pastorally, we were not um, 
trying to be, be so, so restrictive and yeah. about that. And even like just another example of the way that we were trying to be careful with that language was say, say your uh, brother, your brother-in-law, that's a Presbyterian, comes to our church. They were baptized as a baby. Uh, well, in their conscience, they, they would say, they I am a baptized, baptized believer. Yep. Well, we're not going to, you know. Yeah. Keep Lincoln Duncan from getting to come and take right. the Lord's Supper. That's with why us. we don't say baptized as a believer. Right. Yeah. We were, Although we that is our understanding. That's of our understanding baptism. of baptism. Right. And but, there are churches that do that. That's how mm-hmm. they fence the table. Yeah. Would be to say a baptized, baptized as a believer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that we have, yeah, not taken the most staunch position that yeah. we could take. Yeah. Some churches only allow their church members. Yeah. Yeah, so no, no one outside right. of their church members could could take the Lord's Supper at their church. Which we decided against that because mm-hmm. there is something of the Lord's Supper that is a picture of the marriage supper of the Lamb. Mm-hmm. And so we wouldn't want to say, well, this meal is only for our local church when it is in a way trying to prefigure the, yeah. the you know final yes. piece that we have yeah, together. It's for believers. But again, the New Testament just doesn't have a category for a non-baptized, non-church member believer. Right. So we're trying to trying to practice that in our modern day, in a modern way, in a sense, with the way we do church membership here. Uh, we, we think it's based on scriptural precedent, but, um, but by going through a membership class, signing a covenant fellowship, being accountable, coming to members' meetings, all of that, that's how we practice it here, because, because uh, Lord's Supper and membership are so interconnected. I mean, that is, that is, it's a member's meal. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why we use the part of language. Mm-hmm. So we want somebody to be part of a church where they're where they're accountable and where they're being uh, their souls are being watched over by elders and a local body. Yeah. And one other category that this raises that people have asked me about is long-term attenders at our church that are not members of our church but they mm-hmm. consider this to be at their church but they haven't gone through the membership process and and that's just one more example even everything that we're doing Part of this language that I'm just so glad that we're using it is because it's doing this. It's making us yeah. talk about it. Yes. And so if you're here and you're like, well, wait, but I fall into this category or this exception or I have this question. Let's talk. Let's talk. Yes. That's why yeah. we want to do that. We want you to pause yes. and think about, am I doing this in a worthy manner? Am mm-hmm. I doing this yeah. the way that that most clearly communicates what we're trying to communicate? And it's right that you would just stop yeah. and examine and think about that. And if you have questions, that's what we're here for. Yes. So I have been so I, – I know of a man in our church – who has stopped taking the Lord's Supper because he has not been baptized yet. And so this has stimulated in him that conversation about, I need to be baptized. I know other people that have been long-term attenders that are not members, and this has spurred them into that membership process. So this is part of that shepherding. These are conversations that should be happening with your kids or with adults in our church, and we would rather have that conversation than than just make it easy for everybody, just lower the bar so much that nobody has to think about it. No, elevating the rights and responsibilities and even the privileges of church membership yeah. um, that we don't think we're just making up. We think we see in the New Testament, and the, the Lord's Supper was certainly part of that that right, responsibility, and privilege mm-hmm. of being a member in good standing uh, with a local body. So, man, I'm so glad we're having these conversations. I'm glad we're doing this podcast, and I'm sure that some of these questions you didn't have before, and now you do, <laughs> and we maybe <laughs> haven't talk. answered it as good as we could have in this uh, 45 minutes, uh, let's talk. Reach out to me, to Ryan, to Chase. Uh, any of the pastors here would be so happy to have a coffee, have a lunch, have a phone call, 
and talk about this with you in your particular situation, with your child, with your understanding. Uh, we want to all grow together as a church in, in how we practice this. And we just think this is a good thing for our church to be wrestling with right now. Yeah. Yeah. So Amen. any any final comments, brothers, no. before we sign off? No, that was great. Okay. Thank you, guys. We'll keep doing these. We've done a couple in the last couple months, so we're, we're on a good rhythm now. We're in um, our room. This is, so we're this in is the room. first podcast I've done in this new room. It's Yeah, it's, it's very cozy, and so we'll, we'll keep these going. We'll, we'll try to have some new podcasts out for you. If you do have any questions, you can always email info at dscabq.com. Um, but for now, let's uh, let's keep spreading God's glory broader and deeper. Amen.